Good evening. Happy Thursday. This is Talking Sports with Evan. And I want to say thank you so much for those that have been watching the show every week, those that have been listening to the podcast after it's posted, listening to it or watching it wherever you are able to, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you and each and every single one of you for supporting the show since I started doing the live stream of Talking Sports with Evan, and I appreciate, as I said, each and every one of you. So today, lots to go over, lots to discuss here. Um, We are at the now two-year anniversary mark of the Milwaukee Bucks winning their first title in 50 years, and I've seen a lot of people posting on posting on Facebook, posting on Twitter, celebrating it. And I did see a couple people kind of poo-pooing on that, that it's two years ago. So, you know, be done with it. And I guess the the question I want to throw out there and I'm going to answer here is how long do we celebrate it? How long, you know, we're two years removed from winning the first title in 50 years in Bucks history. The first title in the state of Wisconsin since 2011, um, February. 2nd of 2011 when the Packers beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl following the 2010 season. We haven't had a lot of championships to celebrate in Wisconsin recently, and we've had a lot of heartbreak with our sports teams, the Brewers losing a game seven to the Dodgers, a game six to the Cardinals, the Badgers losing to Duke in the championship game, losing in the final four thanks to a, a buzzer beater by Kentucky, losing an NFC championship game. So we've had a lot of frustration and heartbreak um, as Wisconsin sports fans. And my opinion is let's celebrate it as long as we feel like it. Like I'm one that let's let fans be fans. Let fans celebrate the 20. We're here, 2021 NBA championships for as long as they want until the Bucks win another one. Every July 20th, of every single July 20th, it's going to be Milwaukee Bucks Day until the Bucks win another one. And hopefully they win another one this coming season with the new coach and Adrian Griffin and the band coming back together. Hopefully they can win another championship in 2023, 2024 season. But for right now, let's celebrate the greatness of the 2021 Milwaukee Bucks. They they got through the heat in four games. They were able to beat the, the Nets in seven games, beat the Atlanta Hawks in six, and then beat the Phoenix Suns in six games as well in a game that had a lot of moments in it that you as fans are going to, and we as fans, are going to remember forever. The Giannis block in game four, the steal and dunk in game five, and the 50-piece after 50 years of not winning a title, 50-piece by Giannis in game six of the championship game against the Suns. Giannis coming back from what looked like a catastrophic knee injury that now we're thinking, is he going to be ready to go in 2021-2022 season? To, excuse me, to him coming back. And the Milwaukee Bucks winning the championship. They beat the Hawks in six. 
with Holiday and Middleton being the main guys. And then Giannis and Middleton willed their way to a championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. So my, my big thing is let's celebrate this championship. Let's celebrate this team for as long as we feel like it. And if the Bucks win another championship in the next couple of years, then obviously we can celebrate that one for as long as we want. And I remember exactly where I was when the Bucks won that championship. And I'm sure we all remember as well. And I do remember I, I chugged, I downed a bottle of Bucks Fear the Deer wine um, from the Door Peninsula Winery. Open, I drank a small glass of it when they clinched the uh, playoff berth. And I chugged the rest of it after the Bucks. Uh, I chugged the rest of it after the Bucks uh, clinched the win, and that was how I celebrated. And it was great hearing the the local radio call after all these years of coming, you know, close and uh, not being able to get by certain teams in the '80s, um, losing the '76ers with the 2001 Big Three, um, and now. The, the bubble falling short there, the losing the Toronto in six after being up two nothing to nothing. It was just great to have. It was great to see. And again, you know, we hope we hope we see it again someday. But in reality, it's hard to win championships in sports. And the Bucks got it in twenty twenty one and we're gonna continue to celebrate it as as long as we feel like it. And I you know my big thing is let fans be fans. Let fans fan how they want to fan. Now, I'm not the fan. I'm not a fan of the let's be critical all the time. Let's be negative. Let's put our team down. I'm not that type of fan, and I, I don't like that type of fan. But ultimately, I'm not going to tell that fan as much as I am not a fan of that style. I'm not going to tell that person how to fan. If that's how they prefer to, to go through week to week, game to game, series to series, so be it. But again, let's just stop with the, you know, it happened two years ago, be done with it stuff because I still enjoy it. I still got my Buck Championship gear, as you see with the shirt I have on right now, Bruce City Champions. Got a number of Bucks Championship stuff from that year. Got a couple hats and I'm going to support it and celebrate it every chance I get moving forward. With that said... The Green Bay Packers open training camp next week, and there are lots of questions and concerns for the 2023 Green Bay Packers season. This is the first season since 2008 Aaron Rodgers is not the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Be interesting to see what Jordan Love can do as the Green Bay Packers starting quarterback, and it ultimately does not all come down to him. Um, Daniel Ozlowski from ESPN uh, commented that if Jordan Love can just be average, if Jordan Love can be average, the Packers are going to be a playoff team. And he states that based off the, the talent on the roster of the Green Bay Packers. And they were a game away from the playoffs with not really good quarterback play last year with an injured Aaron Rodgers. So if Jordan Love can just be average, the Packers have a chance at the playoffs. There are some positives on this Packer team, which I'm going to start with. I like the running back room. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, two backs that a, a great one-two punch. Jones can catch passes out of the backfield, be a slasher, 
carry the pile when he needs to. Dylan can be that bruiser, that body shot guy that's going to set you up for the, the breakaway guy of Aaron Jones. The offensive line, if healthy, is one of the best offensive lines uh, spot to spot in the NFL. They could get better at center and, and Josh Myers, but that's besides the point. But Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, two of the best linemen in the NFL, John Runyon, solid, and Josh Nyman and Zach Tom will do fine at that right tackle position. The one position of weakness really is center. But, you know, Josh Myers could really take a big jump in year three as his first year he was never healthy, and last year he was inconsistent. Maybe year three is his big jump. The cornerback room with Jair Alexander and Rasul, Rasul Douglas leading the way. I'm very comfortable there for Green Bay. Those two are very talented corners. Alexander is a true shutdown corner. Douglas is a very solid corner who's a bit, a bit of a ball hawk. Eric Stokes coming back from injury. Uh, who knows what they're going to get from Eric Stokes. Uh, could be a, a great jump in year, in year three. Or, you know, we... Might be looking at moving on, but overall, the room is pretty talented. In the inside linebacker room, it's very athletic and very talented for the most part overall. You got Quay Walker, last year's rookie, who started to really look comfortable towards the end of the season at that position, especially after Devon, um, Devondre Campbell came back. Um, Walker really looked apart after Campbell came back and took over the the communication piece of the defense, and Quay Walker could just focus on playing uh, the linebacker spot, finding the ball, making things happen. Because it was Campbell, it was Campbell's job to get people lined up properly. And the backups there with Isaiah McDuffie, Eric Wilson, potentially Tyree Carpenter, again, very solid room. Um, very solid Roman Green Bay, and I, I'm happy to see what they have at that linebacker position. And it should be an exciting year um, for Green Bay. Now, question marks for this 2023 season, aside from Jordan Love taking over quarterback, for the first time since 2005, the Green Bay Packers have a new kicker. Mason Crosby is gone. The Packers are going to rely on a rookie kicker to take over and that's concerning Lambeau field can be a tough place to kick especially in the winter months and part one of the things that kept Crosby uh safe in Green Bay was his ability to come up with big kicks in December and January in Green Bay now it's going to be up to a rookie to show that they can or cannot make that happen um Another position of question for Green Bay is the defensive line. Um, you have one of the top players in the NFL at his position in Kenny Clark. But outside of that, a lot of question marks. TJ Slayton, third-year pro. Devontae Wyatt, second-year pro. Kobe Wooden, Cara Brooks, rookies. Chris Slayton, Jason Lewin, uh, Jonathan Ford, Antonio Moultre, that's the depth chart right now. And outside of Kenny Clark, um, you don't really know what you have. Devontae Wyatt showed flashes and limited playing time his rookie year. TJ Slayton looked like he was ready to 
um, start really growing that position. I'm excited to see what happens in Slayton's third year in this Packer defense. But the defensive line is a weakness, and they lost um, they lost uh, Dean Lowry, and I know Dean Lowry wasn't a special player per se, but you knew what you had with them, and he, he was going to give you solid play. And they lost Jaron Reed, who played pretty well his first his uh, first and only year in Green Bay. And the defensive line is, is going to be an important piece. The Packers have been very bad against the run the past couple years, and it's going to be up to Wyatt, Slayton, and Clark to really step up and slow down at least the other team's running game. Um, and that's what we're going to have to see. And the Packers are going to get potentially ran on a lot, being that their offense might struggle to put points on the board, especially early in the year. Teams are going to look to try to run the ball on them, and they have to make the stop. And it's very important to make those stops. And if some of the young guys could, if some of the young guys can step it up and um, take advantage of opportunities, it could be it could be okay. And I think Devontae Wyatt could be a star, uh, especially next to Kenny Clark. But it's going to be up to them to really show that the. Other question position that um, is worrisome to me is the pass rushing position. There is a big question mark with Rashawn Gary and his health. Is Rashawn Gary going to be ready to go week one or the Packers going to ease him back? Or can he miss some more than a week or two as we're waiting to see Rashawn Gary. And if Rashawn Gary is not ready week one, week two, if he has to sit out a few weeks before he's ready, who is going to step up and take some of that pass rushing um, options there away? Because the Packers, the uh, Packers pass rush was not very good after Rashawn Gary got hurt. And, Preston Smith did the best job he could to to, uh, to he did the best job he could, but he didn't have a lot of help on the other side. And I know the Packers are deeper at that pass rushing position than they were a year ago, but we're gonna have to see what happens moving forward this linebacker position because. Outside of Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, it's a very young bunch. You have Kingsley Ingobert, who showed flashes as a rookie. Lucas Van Ness, the first-round pick this season. Bretton Cox, uh, he was a undrafted player. Just Justin Hollins, a late-season find uh, as well for Green Bay. After the Rams cut bait on him, and he was a he was a big a big step. Uh, Gary had six sacks in nine games. Um, Preston Smith eight and a half sacks. Um, but once Gary got hurt, the defense really struggled to get after the quarterback um, quite a bit. And hopefully, Van Ness can uh, be a stud player right away and. Um, Bretton, Bretton Cox, he, uh, you know, and 
in OTAs and mini camps. He was a guy that Matt LaFleur talked about doing a lot um, at that position. Moving on to my other question marks for Green Bay, the wide receiver position. And the biggest issue with the wide receiver position to me is its youth. The, the linebacker position for Green Bay is very young. Yeah, the wide receiver position for Green Bay is very young. Um, they ha- they don't have a lot of guys that have a lot of experience on Sundays. Christian Watson, last year's second-round pick, missed some time last year. By the time he, once he got healthy, he was a, a great player for Green Bay. Romeo Dobbs, another guy that missed time this season with the Packers, and he was up and down like most rookies are. Can they take that second-year jump? Jaden Reed, the rookie receiver, probably going to be the first one up for that slot position. Sam Samurai Torre, and can he be a guy that takes a second-year jump? And then you got De- Devontae Viron Wicks. Deuce Watts, Malik Keith, who raised a lot of eyebrows and uh, OTAs, called everything thrown to him. Jeff Cotton, Grant DeBoos, uh, Jadakus Bonds, and Bo Milton, uh, the other positions filling out that wide receiver room. Basically, there's not a lot of players that really make you say, wow. Christian Watson definitely could. Romeo Dobbs can be a very good very good potential in the controlling the, uh, you know, with the route running runner that he can be. But they're going to need the second-year guys and Watson and Dobbs to really take a big step as your Devontae Adams, your Alan Lazard, your Randall Cobbs, your veteran presence, which the Packers have always had a veteran presence here in Green Bay. Without that veteran presence, it's going to be up to the the young guys to really take the bull by the horn. And then safeties. Is there a worse safety room in the entire NFL than Green Bay? You got the depth chart. So you have Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Darnell Savage um, as the top options of safety right now. You got a rookie that you drafted this year as an option. Um, the, the safety position is just not deep at all. Uh, then you got Tavares Moore, who came in from for, the 49ers, uh, played eight games, started eight games in 2020 before tearing his Achilles. Good speed and playmaking, uh, but he's got to stay healthy. And the Packers' safety room, as I mentioned, is probably the worst group in all of the NFL. And who at that position is going to take the bull by the horns? I'm using that analogy again to really step up and be a star. Savage has shown flashes from time to time, but overall, he does not look good and looks lost more often than not. And what you have with the safety room is what you're going to get. And then finally, the tight end room. Packers probably have, from experience standpoint, 
the youngest, least experienced tight end room in the entire NFL. You have... Uh, the two rookies in Kraft and Musgrave, which tight end is typically a position rookies don't make a big splash in. You got Degara, um, who is more of an H-back, Josiah Degara, more of an H-back. You got Davis, who is a special teams guy that doesn't give you a lot on offense. And they're going to be relying on a lot of young guys at that tight end position. And when you look at this Packer offense, especially the passing game, I don't know where a lot of yards are going to come by. I don't know where the Packers are going to get a lot of their yards. They are a team that... They are a team that is going to struggle, especially early on, in order to get points on the board. Uh, Mark Mark Chimura commented on his morning show with Jen, Jen, Gabe, and Chewy that if you're an opposing team, all you got to do is get 17 or more points, and you're likely going to win. That could be the case early on the season as all the young guys really get their bearings under them. But this Packer team has a lot of question marks, and I'm excited to see the growth of the young people that are here in Green Bay. And what I'm what I'm not saying is I'm not one of these that are jumping on the uh, Aaron Rodgers was bad bandwagon that you've seen a lot of people get on that they're happy to see Rodgers gone. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, but what I am is excited to see what the young talent in Green Bay can do and what this Matt LaFleur offense is truly going to look like. And I agree, if Jordan Love can be average in 2023 as he's growing week in and week out, I think the Packers will be fine and they might exceed expectations. Right now, most people are expecting... Jordan Love to be a Jamarcus Russell, Philip uh, Ryan Leaf, um, bad quarterback. I don't think he's going to be that. I don't know if he's going to light the world on fire, especially his first year as a starter. But you got to have some patience with Jordan Love. He's going to make some mistakes early on. But the thing is, you want to see those mistakes get corrected and him continue to grow each and every week as the Packers starter and really take ownership of that starting position. And it all starts next week with training camp getting underway at 1265. And uh, everyone that's going up there to observe it and watch it, I envy all you because, unfortunately, I can't get up there this season to check it out. So... And then finally, what I want to talk about tonight is the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Milwaukee Brewers are back in first place in the NL Central Division. A two-and-a-half game lead over the Reds. They just took two or three against a hot Phillies team that is now at 52-44. and They won uh, five of six against the Cincinnati Reds, three prior or two prior to the All-Star break, three after the All-Star break. They split a series against the Cubs, which realistically they should have swept the Cubs, um, but unfortunately they did not. 
they had a couple games get away from them, and it really should have been um, 10 in a row if they didn't let one get away from them in Cincinnati, at home against Cincinnati. Since losing six in a row from uh, June 8th through the 14th, the Brewers are now tw- are 20 and 9 since June 14th. And one other fun fact um, the Brewers are 6 0 and 1 in their last seven series. They had their MLB leading 11th strikeout of the year. Six of the last seven outs for the Brewers tonight were strikeouts. Corbin Burns today, eight innings pitch, gave up two hits, struck out 10, eight of his strikeouts being with the curveball. And the Brewers, uh, Corbin Burns against the Reds and the Phillies, 14 innings pitched, zero runs, and 23 strikeouts. So the Brewers had a tough, tough May. Uh, t- uh, sorry, t- yeah, tough June. Um, had a had a tougher May, tough June, but the Brewers are went five and one on this most recent road trip, and they're starting to find ways to win. And the bullpen has been incredible. Kristen Yelich is truly, truly back, and uh, the bullpen, as I said, have been uh, incredible. Coming into today's game, the Brewers had a bullpen, uh, Hobie Milner, Elvis Pergero, Joe Piampas, and Devin Williams. Uh, after last night's game, extended their scoring streak, uh, scoreless streak to 19.2, and Williams got his 24th save. But the Brewers aren't perfect. They could improve in some areas at the trade deadline, just like a lot of teams in baseball. I'm not going to say they're true contenders yet, but the Brewers can definitely get better at the trade deadline. And the question is going to be, where are they going to look? They have a great, a big hole in right field, especially with Brian Anderson on the IL. They could trade for a guy like Adam Duvall from Boston. The Brewers have traded with Boston quite a bit. The Duvall is going to get them some, uh, some nice veteran leadership at that position. Uh, Randall, Grukic plays for Colorado. Um, Rockies have the worst record in baseball. He's 31 um, through 55 games this season. He's batting 300, 364, 475, 18 doubles, five homers, 22 RBIs. Um, He's batting 263 away from Coors Field. Um. He's one that could potentially be a guy the Brewers could try to make a move for. Lane Thomas from the Washington Nationals um, could be another option there at right uh, right field. He's batting 289 with an 819 OPS, 15 homers, and 51 RBIs. Tiscar Hernandez um, in, in Seattle. He's another option for Milwaukee at the right field position. He's 30, batting 240, 294, 419 through 95 games. But he is a guy that's had a lot of production in the past, and maybe he needs a new home. Mark Canha from the New York Mets. Uh, if the Mets decide to go on a bit of a fire sale, he's a guy that the Brewers could go after. 
and other p- got positions that the Brewers need. They could definitely use an upgrade at the DH position. And the guys they can look for for that, C.J. Crone, who's also a first baseman, which the Brewers could use improvement on as well. Um, that's another player they could look at. They need, they could use another arm or two in the bullpen. Brent Suter, they could always bring him back to Milwaukee. Scott Barlow in Kansas City. Jordan Weems in Washington. Starting pitching, if they want to go that route, now that Miley could be up for a bit. Michael Lorenzen in Detroit, 375 ERA um, thus far. And then Lucas Giotto from the White Sox at 345 ERA as well. Just some guys the Brewers could look at. And I've seen Shohei Otani's name thrown around that the Brewers could be a dark horse for him. Um, but I don't see the Brewers making that type of splash. I don't see the Brewers going after a Shohei Otani, going all in and giving up what it's going to take to get 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 him here in Milwaukee for just a couple month rental. Um, I think the Brewers, I honestly think, do have the pieces to do it, but I just don't think they will because that's not how they operate. If the Brewers make a trade, it'll be a, like they've done in years past, an Escobar from the Diamondbacks, uh, um, that type of trade. That's what it's going to be. It's not going to be a big, sexy move. Um, it's just going to be a move that adds to another uh, key piece to this team. And don't be surprised if we see a Sal Freelick once, that, once he gets that wrist fully healed and starts hitting, hitting again. Don't be surprised if we see a sell free lick by the end of uh, August up here in Milwaukee getting some reps in that right field position. The big thing I do want to see from the Brewers on the major league perspective is guys like Weimer and Terang getting more consistent swinging the bat. I don't need them to be 270, 280 type hitters, but if they could just be 230, 240, 250 hitters the rest of the season, that could go a long way for this Milwaukee Brewer team. Great gloves, but offensively, they leave a lot to be desired. So with that, thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Sports with Evan. Um, found anywhere podcasts are found. Found on Twitter, um, Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan Facebook page, and YouTube, Evan with Allison. Check it out there. With that, I'll be back at you next week. Talking Packer training camp early on, some more brewers, and whatever else the world of sports brings us. Have a great rest of your night, and have a great weekend, everybody.